you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. That jingle is going to be in your brain the rest of the day today, right? Hey, good morning. Glad that we're together in this space and those joining us online, wherever in the world, whenever you might be uh, watching, we're glad that we're together. Um, uh, Hey, grab your Bible. I want you to join me in Matthew chapter 19. And we've been in this series for several weeks now, simply titled Four. And we've, we've been wrestling with this idea that it seems like a lot of our friends, coworkers, neighbors, Uh, people who don't have a relationship with God, somehow they know us, Christ followers, more by what we're against rather than who we are for. In the book of Acts, it says that we should not make it difficult for people who are trying to find God. So we're flipping the script. We're learning how to live our lives, our everyday lives, so that people will know that God is for them. He is not against them. And this morning, this topic, when we look at the word marriage, I realize there's all kinds of different experiences in this gathering. God is for you. Whether or not you're single or married, God is for you. Whether or not you're a widow and you're still trying to figure out how do I do life without my spouse who was here, God is for you. Perhaps maybe the marriage that you thought was going to go the distance hasn't gone the distance. God is for you for you. God is for us. And in this conversation this morning, we're talking about marriage. More than most weekends, we're going to lean into scriptures because what I really think is many of us don't know really what does God have to say about this thing called marriage. But I don't want want you to turn off. I want you to stay with me in this conversation, no matter where you find yourself. If you're single and you're like, listen, I'm praying and hoping maybe someday that I, I, I'd like to get married. Listen, this is going to give you a great construct towards that day. If you are married, like, okay, listen, what are some of these principles? Okay, kind of, kind of doing that. Maybe we could grow. There'll be, good, there'll be good construct for you to continue in your marriage. If you're like, listen, been there, done that. Hello, got the t-shirt. I'm over that. I'm single, and I'm lacking being single very much. Hey, that's just fine. God's for you. But you got some people in your life that are married, and perhaps potentially you can learn some things today that you can help them. So are you ready? You got your Bible. Matthew chapter 19. I want to begin in verse number 4. These are the words of Jesus. Yo, haven't you read, he replied, that at the very beginning, the Creator... God made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God had joined together, let no one separate. And so Jesus speaks into that there's this thing called marriage. The Bible talks about marriage. Now, before we get to what God really has to say about marriage, um, I'd like to at least start from the place of what marriage is not, okay? You you okay with that? All right, so number one, if you're taking notes, this might surprise you, maybe not so much. Some of you are going to go, oh, no. I thought marriage is not a Hallmark movie. (laughs) Got that right. (laughs) 
I'm just saying, I mean, listen, I I live three women in my life. I've watched my share of Hallmark movies. You got this 90-minute movie. You got this gal. She moved away. She became successful. Then her dad's veterinary veterinary business went bad, so she came back to help him out. And there was like the old fling, and then there's the jerk. She falls for the jerk first, but somewhere around minute number 88, she discovers, oh, I shouldn't be with the jerk, and I should be with the good guy. They get married, and the movie's over. And we all have spit up in our mouth, right? <laughs> right, right? And so <laughs> the idea of, of putting the picture of a Hallmark movie on my marriage or the marriage you would hope to have, it's setting yourself up. Hey, do you know the difference between love and marriage? <laughs> you ready for this? Love is blind. Marriage is a real eye-opener. That was a really good dad joke. I'm just saying out loud. Come on, stay with me, right? So, hey, marriage is not a Hallmark movie. Now, this might make some of you squirm, but just just roll with me on this one. I'm, I'm just talking about what marriage is not. Marriage is not a Hallmark movie. You ready for this? Marriage is not about guilt free sex. Oh, snap. He just said that, right? In this context of the church, now, hey, listen. I've been pastoring since 1990. There are a whole lot of people having a whole lot of sex before they get married, so that's not lost on me, right? But traditionally, inside of like the church, your mama, your, your papa, somebody looked at you, a pastor, a priest, a rabbi, someone said, hey, listen, you better not be doing that or your eyes will fall out, right? I mean, I, I, right? And, and so the idea is, okay, wow, well, that thing feels really good. And I don't want to be guilty about it, so let's get married. And so they get married, and oh my goodness, you look at that person and say, oh goodness, what have we done? You need to know, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about, don't you? (laughs) So, hey, first of all, just in case you're wondering, God's not a prude. God's not a killjoy. Hugh Hefner didn't create sex. God did. So I'm radically changing your whole perspective of who God is. God created a man and God created a woman. He put all those nerve endings in just the right spot so there's shazam on your honeymoon night. He's not a killjoy. Now, what does God's word have to say? Look at Hebrews 13 and 4. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all sexually immoral. God's for you. God's for marriage. God is for sex. Like, he wants you to enjoy what he created. He's not against it. But he's the creator of it. So he's like, I know, I know how for you to have it really, really good. It's a challenge for us. Look at 1 Corinthians 6 and 18. It's a challenge because we're always constantly thinking, does God really have my best interest? I mean, does God really know? I mean, my... It started with the first man, Adam and Eve. They were like, God said, don't have from this tree. And they're like, ah, I know God said that, but is, does God really know? I mean, can God really understand? Of course he can. That's the whole story of Jesus. He sends Jesus, and he's tempted in the same way that we've been tempted, but he never sins. He takes God at his word. He trusts God. Check out 1 Corinthians 6 and 18. Flee from sexual immorality. This is interesting. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. So in other words, if, 
if, if I cheat on my taxes or I uh, physically assault somebody else, that's a sin, right? But it's on the outside of my, of my body. There's consequences for it. I, I mean, if I were to go and physically beat somebody, if I were to murder somebody, uh, if I were to embezzle money from the company, um, there's consequences for those kind of sins, right? And, and you might have to go to jail, whatever. What's interesting is God makes a distinction. He says, all other sins a person commits, except for sexual immorality, are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Now that's something to spend a little bit of time talking to God about. That it's not just, right, not trusting God at his word when it comes to our sexuality isn't just something that I'm doing against somebody else. It's actually something that I'm doing to myself. I, I know this to be true in my life. I'll be 57 this summer. And before I met Jesus, um, I was sexually active. I did not go to my wedding night as a virgin. I can remember as a 10-year-old in our neighborhood, we found out that this guy down the street, that he had the, the Playboy magazines. And so we got, you know, around and, and, and at 10, saw my first Playboy. It's amazing. I have a hard time remembering scriptures but as a 57-year-old man, I can remember right now in my mind's eye going in that man's house, down that hallway, into the bedroom, the drawer by his, his, his bed, and looking at those, those girly magazines back in the day. That's what God's word is talking about. It's, it's something that happens inside of you. It gets etched in your, your memory. I know that when I met Jesus, came out of the Marine Corps, and, and I met Linda, and I've told some of you all this story, that I wanted to do, I wanted it to be right. I had just begun following Jesus. Now, it was, it was difficult. I mean, I had already been active, so I knew what God had created, and it was like, listen, wow, that's really good. But God says it's really good inside of marriage. So I meet Linda. Remember the first time I saw her back in the day? I don't think they make them anymore. That She was wearing these Jordache jeans. Back in the day, Jordache jeans, that I forget, there was a little jingle or something, around. I was like, oh man, she is so good looking, right? And so we started dating and all that kind of stuff, and you know how it is, you, you're dating, and you're kind of kissing, and all, one thing leads to another, and, 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 and I was like, listen, we got to stop it, Linda, I mean, I had, I had to shut her down. <laughs> Slow down, girlfriend, Slow down. I'm, I'm trying here, right? Slow down. And, and, um. <laughs> a little too much honesty, right? And I just noticed her brother is sitting right behind her. <laughs> so, uh, wow, okay. Um, <laughs> hello. Um, and so uh, <laughs> her two daughters are sitting right next to her too. So, so anyways, I remember we made a covenant together about a year. We were dating and then we got engaged. And so we made a covenant that we would only hold hands uh, for the rest of, our, rest of our engagement time together. And, uh, and we did that. And uh, I never kissed Linda. It was about 15 months. I had, I had been kissing on me some Linda, but then we knew, listen, if we didn't draw a line in the sand, we, we were not going to end up on our honeymoon night fulfilling what God's word said. So we drew the line. So for 15 months, I did not kiss her at all. And uh, held her hand, didn't put my arm around her. You know, you put your arm around, and they snuggle up, you know, oh, right? 
um, and, and I remember, I remember at, the, at the wedding, um, at the rehearsal night, you know, the pastor was kind of making a joke because I, I wasn't going to kiss her. No, what's the matter, man? Don't you know how? Didn't they teach the Marines? I mean, I thought Marines, you know, kind of deal. Kind of, right? But here, here, hey, here's the gift that we subconsciously didn't even know that we were given each other. 33 years later, June 3rd, 33 years ago, the gift we gave each other was the gift of trust. Because when we could have, when we were hot after each other, when we could have and nobody would have known except for the two of us and God, she watched me say no to her. I watched her say maybe to me. I mean, <laughs> I watched her say no to me, right? And so when we've been apart, right, it's a gift. Because I, I knew, I watched her. When she could have, she didn't. And she watched me when I could have. And in between, in 30 years, 33 years of spans, don't you know, there has been opportunity to step outside that marriage covenant. So I'm just saying, marriage is not a Hallmark movie. Marriage is not a guilt-free sex. Can we move along, Mark? Okay, we can. Here's this. Marriage... <laughs> Marriage doesn't make life easier, nor do kids. I, I can't tell you how many times people say, oh, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of challenges. And, well, we just love each other, and we know that there's, there's pressures, but once we get married, everything will be easier. Or you get married, right, and you kind of have a challenge between each other, and the idea is, I know what we'll do to fix our marriage. Let's have a baby. You, you know, <laughs> marriage is when a man and a woman become one flesh, right? Isn't that what the Bible says? Marriage, right? Marriage is when a man and a woman come together and they become one flesh. The trouble is when they're trying to figure out, decide which one. That pressure, right? So here's a thought before we jump into some more scripture is this. It's easy to say yes on your wedding day. It's hard to say yes to your marriage for the rest of your days. Boom. Boom. I'm it's easy. You get the little venue. You got the little farm thing. You got the dresses. Everybody's nice. You're going to have a reception. I mean, listen. Yes, let's get married. That's the easy decision. The hardest decision. I often say to couples, very few listen to me. I say, listen, my role is not about your, your wedding day. You're going to have a beautiful wedding day, and it will come. The sun will rise on that day, but here's the deal. The sun will set on your wedding day. Then it's called hashtag marriage for life. So God is for you. God is for us. God's for marriage. So why are we for marriage? Let me give you a couple things that I'll give us some action steps, and we'll be on our way. Watch this. God, we are for marriage because God created it right? Marriage isn't something that's created by the state of Florida. It's not created by the United States of America. Marriage is created by God, right? Check out Genesis 18 and 24. 
chapter 2, verse 18 through 24. The Lord said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, there was no suitable helper was found for him. It wasn't good. He's all by himself. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up that place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man. He brought him to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and they are united to his wife and they become one flesh. God created marriage. I didn't think it up. The state of Florida didn't think it up. You didn't think it up. It is God's creation. And so we're for marriage because God created it. And God creates nothing but really good stuff. So we're for it. Here's the second thing if you want to write it down. We are for marriage because it's a micro picture of Jesus and the church. When God sits down and he creates marriage, he wasn't just like, okay, I got Adam. Okay, he's a lonely boy. I need to create somebody and they'll become married and then that's it. That's not, that's not what it was all about. God was creating a micro picture on earth of the macro relationship that Jesus has with the church. Now, in the weekend recap, that we send to you, and if you don't get that, you can use your, your phone and text us uh, or use the card. We'll text it to you tomorrow morning. I'm going to send to you the message, and I'm not going to take the time today, where I, I taught you from Joseph and Mary's life and what it meant to be a spouse and how he leaves and all that. I kind of give you the biblical picture for, for marriage from the, the Jewish uh, custom, but it's a micro. So if you are married... What is your mission state, your purpose statement of how you want your marriage to reflect to your neighbors, to your family, to your friends, your coworkers? Here's the purpose statement, how I want my marriage to reflect the relationship that Jesus has with the church. And if you're not married, as you're sitting down, right, and you're swiping right or left or whichever way, up or down, I'm not quite sure. I got married in 89. I didn't have to swipe. Thank you, Jesus. But however you're finding your bow or your sweetie pie, right, make a decision. This is the purpose. I want to marry him or her. They're good looking or they're pretty. And oh my goodness, look at my That's good, right? It's very good. Be attracted to them. But then make a statement. Here's how I want my marriage to be a reflection of of Jesus' relationship with the church. Now, the church is not, you know, Baptist or Pentecostal or Catholic or Presbyterian or Methodist. The church is the gathering of human beings, men and women, boys and girls, who've decided to follow after Jesus. That collective group of people are the church, right? So here's what he says in Ephesians 5. Again, a big chunk of scriptures, but so important. Everybody outside is trying to frame in your mind the construct of marriage. God gives us a construct. He's for you. He's for, he's for you being single. He's for you being married. He is for you. 
Then as you begin to step out in life and to make decisions, have desires, he wants you to know, I'm, for you. I'm going to set you up to win. God's not against you. Here's what it says in Ephesians 5. Look it. Wives, and listen to the language of wife, husband, marriage, and Jesus and the church. Watch how they're all intertwined together. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkles or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, I, can I, I got to tell you something real funny. See where it says to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle. I had a guy call me once and he said, listen, my wife just gave me this verse and said, that's why she's allowed to have Botox. <laughs> like for real. Said she's quoting the word to you, buddy. You better pony up, right? Uh, so anyways, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man, do you, are you sensing this language? For this reason, as a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Speaks of different roles. Our society and culture is, is all messed up as far as roles, and they want to say that one person is higher, lower, whatever. L listen, God is for you. Wives for their husbands. Husbands for their wives. It's not a picture of a hierarchy and one person gets this and one person gets that. One person submits here, one person. It's a picture, it's a construct that you can apply to your marriage. We are for marriage because God created it and it's a micro picture of the relationship that Jesus has with the church. So here, let me give you a couple things to write down and how you and I can have a great marriage. Now listen, and my name's Mark. I'm on the same dusty trail as you are. Uh, I would suggest that one of the hardest things you'll ever do in your life uh, is, is marriage. One of the most rewarding relationships is marriage. But it's a real challenge. I'm not pretending for one minute to tell you that these are the three secret sauces. Because on some Tuesday night when you're upset with her and she's upset with you and whatever, these, these thoughts aren't going to make that big of a, big of a difference. But what I want to do is at least give us something this morning, some handlebars that we can put our, I'm sure there's others that are out there, there's good books, good podcasts, but for our conversation this morning, these three, I think will be a help to us. So you ready? You're ready for number one, if you're writing things down, how to have a great marriage. If you're single, if you're currently married, or you're dating somebody and be engaged, here I think are some steps that would help us have a great marriage. Number one, write this down. Decide in advance forever means no matter what, we are together forever. Just, just got to, in, in advance. You dating that guy, dating that girl, 
you're in your marriage right now, you just say, hey, listen, we're in it to win it. We, 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 th- th- this means forever. This ain't like shopping at Walmart. Buy it, use it, take it back. No, 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 no. It's not like Amazon Prime. You can order it, try it on, look around a little bit, and then send it back with a shipping label. You got to make a decision in advance that forever for us means forever. Now, why? Look what it says in Malachi 2 and 16. These are the words of God. For I hate divorce. He did not say, I hate people who got divorced. Statistically, 50% of us in this gathering are divorced. God's not against you. God's not mad at you. Not one of us can go back in time. That's not a message. No one's being beat up today. It's about we are alive on May 1st, 2022, and how are we going to go forward? You're single and you want to build a marriage. You're, you're wondering, do I ever want to get married again? You're in a marriage. God says out loud, listen, I'm, I'm, I don't want marriage. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Inside the church, there's this kind of a get out of bad marriage, right? If my spouse does the wild thing with somebody else, ah, yes, thank you, Jesus, I can get out of this marriage. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what Matthew chapter 19 says where we started our Bible study. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 1, when Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. A better word for the Greek word here is to trick him or to trip him up. Kind of like what you watch on your television when you're watching politicians or, 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 or media interview a politician. You can tell the question is loaded. You're trying to catch the person so you can take their statement and send it out viral. They're trying to trip Jesus up. Notice the question. Some Pharisees came and tested him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Notice the answer of Jesus. Let me just pause. Can I just, just, just for a second? Because I, listen, some of you have been around church for a long time and, and you've really grown up believing that you, you can get divorced if somebody has sex with If your spouse has sex with somebody else, that's it. It's game over. I am permitted by God to divorce them. And the pressure on pastors is for real. And to keep people happy, we often don't teach what the Bible has to say. So I'm about to show you what Jesus says about divorce. In the Old Testament, he says, I hate it. I I do not want want the divorce. In the New Testament, the Pharisees are trying to trick him. They, they know what was said by Moses back in the day, so they're setting him up. And notice the answer that Jesus gives. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be unlike to his wife and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, as a result of this, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Stop. That's what Jesus said. Anybody know or anybody ever experienced a child come to you as the dad and ask for one thing and they don't like the answer and they go to who? Mama. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They know how to play it between us, right? You know, or some of us, we know how to play it, right? 
That's what's going on here. Jesus gave his answer. Boom! Here. Here's what God said from the beginning. A man and woman come together. They, they get married, and they're never, never divorced. Now watch this. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? See, they think they got him. Because the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, is God's word. And they wanted to catch Jesus saying something against the Pentateuch so they could say, he's violating the holy word of God. So let's kill him. They're looking to trap him. They're looking to trick him. And notice what Jesus says. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. In other words, fine. If that's what your mom said, fine. I, hey, I, 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 I ain't gonna. Moses was the leader of the children of Israel. He led them, yo, Pharaoh, let my people go. They go out into the desert and they do nothing but complain over and over and over and over and over again. And relationships. I married her and I don't like her. I married him and I don't like, I don't want nothing. And so finally Moses, just tired, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. That's not. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, now here it is, except for sexual immorality, and marries another woman, commits adultery. But remember, and this is why I don't have time, and I'm actually out of time this morning. This is why you have to understand the biblical framework of a marriage, and that message will be in the link from the weekend recap, and you can watch it. But remember, Joe was espoused to Mary, remember? And it was found that Mary's was with child. Do you remember this Christmas story, right? Mary, and so Joseph, in his mind, says, I'm going to divorce her. He was following the Jewish law. Moses, if a woman had violated the marriage vows during the espousal, there's no record in all the scriptures of a divorce after a man and woman had come together, consummated that marriage, and now were married. The espousal period is when Moses permitted. Remember, the women were pledged in those days. I'm glad that we're out in those days. Um, they were pledged to be married. And so then they would come together. They would, if, if that woman, during that espousal time, would violate and go be with someone else physically, sexually, and the man finds out he can write her a bill of divorcement. But in our culture... The marriage hasn't happened yet. It's during the engagement period. The reason that's so important because it's a picture of Jesus and the church and us with Jesus in eternity. Because Jesus is coming back again. The Bible says there is going to be a marriage feast of the Lamb. We're going to have this huge marriage celebration. That's how eternity is going to kick off. It will be the wedding ceremony of the church, us, believers. We'll be in heaven with Jesus, the groom. We will be at this marriage supper, and then for all of eternity, we're having a reception party with Jesus over and over and over and over and over and over again. 
Man, I've run out of time. I got so much more to say. Uh, let me, I'm gonna give you the points and, and maybe they'll, maybe we'll post some things this week and I'll give you more teaching along the way. Here's just the points. Um, number two is work on me so we can become our best version of us. Boy, that's really good. We normally wanna work on our spouse. If Linda would just do this better, if Mark would just do that better, I can't, blah, 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 right? And we want, we want them. Hey, to all the singles in the house, let me set you up with the best principle you could ever do on this side of marriage. Are you ready? Be the person that you hope to marry one day. All the looking and swiping and all, I, I, I get it. Just decide, listen, I got a picture of the kind of person that I'm hoping to marry. I'm going to just be that person. And here's what I believe. I believe as you choose to be that person, I don't know how God does it, when God does it. Remember I taught last weekend, if it ain't good, God ain't done. So if your heart's desire is to be married one day and you're single, if it ain't good, God ain't done. You just be who you hope to marry one day. Just be her. Just be him. And here's what I believe. You want to find the kind of person who's decided, I'm going to be who I want to marry one day. Just be him and be her. And I think God has a way of bringing those two. I don't know when. I wish I could give you some script of when it's going to happen. I know this. Every lady at the church that Lyndon was attending said, you need to go off to Cedarville College. You need to go off to a Christian college to meet a guy. You ain't going to meet no guy in Brunswick, Ohio. There ain't going to meet no guy here in Brunswick, Ohio. And then some guy, back in, the, back in those days, you could wear red pants. It was like, cool. <laughs> I came strutting in in these red pants and everything. They had no idea what was blowing in the town in Brunswick, Ohio. God did. God crossed Linda and Mark's path together. Work on being you. Work on me so we become. Check out Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Don't pick on people. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. If you're married, you want to take your marriage to a whole other level? Don't pick on people jump on their failures, criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face. You might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. The reason marriage can be the best place and the most painful place is because marriage is the place where we're naked and unashamed. In other words... All of my warts, all of my weak points, Linda knows. And Linda can slice me in a millisecond. She knows the wounds. This Tuesday would have been my dad's birthday. Boy, she could say something to me really hurtful. 
You know, the reason your dad never loved you is because that's being naked and unashamed. The better side of that is I got a woman that when I never ever accepted, when I was never accepted by an earthly father, there's a woman, there's a ring that I can look on my hand and know that in all of my flaws and all of my insecurities and my habits and my hurts and my hangups, I'm telling you, it's sweet. But you got to work, work on me. Number three, you can just write it down. I'm, I'm winding it all down. Um, this is going to stretch some of us. I get it, but I'm just talking about having a great marriage. Work on me so that we can become the best version of us. Decide in advance. Listen, forever means it's you and I forever. Then number three, forgive means we go forward as though it never happened. Let me tell you something. He might have done that and said that, and you think, well, I'm going to give him the cold shoulder, and he's going to sleep on the proverbial couch, and he's in the doghouse. You are hurting your marriage, maybe even beyond repair. If you're a Christ follower, the Bible says in Ephesians 4 and 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. I'm not saying when he violated or she violated your wedding vows and trust was broken. I'm not saying at all that, oh my goodness, how do I get over this? I don't know. I've never had to face that. But I know this, that there is a God who forgave me. And because I've been forgiven, I am empowered by the the Spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit. And just like Jesus came back from the dead, it feels like my marriage has died because of what they did, what they said, what they promised. And, and, and I, I don't know how we can't, we can't come back from that. That's more of a statement, not about your marriage, about what you think about Jesus. Because if you believe that Jesus came back from the dead, then you've got to believe that Jesus can bring your marriage back from the dead. I know it'll be hard. I know, I know, I know, man, it's so, man, it's the easiest place to cut and dice in the world is in your marriage without, without a doubt. I don't know where you might be uh, in life. You've been sitting, why don't you just stand? I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray over us. Um, we might be able to do some things this week with social media put some things out on video. You can be watching for those. Um, if you're not getting that weekend recap, they're going to put something on the screen. If you'd like to get that weekend recap, it really is. We, we just set you up. We send you all the songs that we sang today, a link that you can click on. My, my entire teaching notes, everything that, that I taught this morning, all those points will be right here, right? Uh, so text, just send a message. Hey, Mark, I, I want the recap. Or, hey, Mark, send me that thing you were talking about, right? That, that number is dedicated, and we will put you on that list. And uh, it'll all be there for you. We'll set you up so you can click and watch. And, and all the Bible verses that were there this morning, they're all, they'll all be right there at, at, that, at that number, okay? But he, he, here, God is so for you. Whether you're single whether you're in an awesome marriage or in a marriage that's hanging on by the thread, 
whether you're, you're widowed, God is for you. And it's not lost on me that there, there, there's all kinds of mixed up feelings in this relationship called marriage. But please don't let that, don't let that cause you to miss out on the relationship you could have with Jesus. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. He is hashtag for you.